All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are such a wonderful God. We thank you that you love us so much. We thank you you gave us Jesus. We thank you you've given us your Holy Spirit. We pray, come now, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Let the words that we speak be life and health. Let them change us to be more like Jesus. Empower us, we pray. Change our mindset to match what you're doing, to match your purpose for our life. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Ephesians. As we work our way through the Bible, we're into Ephesians. Let me give you a couple of thoughts out of chapter 1, and then I'll throw you a few more out of chapter 3. I read Ephesians and I think, you know, I've sort of preached this before, and I've preached this before, and you know, because it's sort of one of those books that um, it's almost like find the bits that aren't underlined in my Bible. <laughs> find the bits that don't have notes in the column. So I was reading through and I was praying and reading through and praying and, and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to preach the notes off my columns. How's that? <laughs> Is that all right? Because they're really good notes. No, I was actually reading through and, and um, I mean, Ephesians is the sort of book that when you read it, you sort of don't need to add much more to it because it's there. You know, it's, it's full of power. So I just want to, I want to pick tonight. That's why you sit there sipping on your coffee and munching on your chocolate. I thought we'd pick a little bit at God's Word and just pull out some real gems that are in there through these couple of chapters and, um, and hopefully we walk away with something that empowers you and gets you a mindset of who you are in God and his plan for your life. Is that all right? Yeah. So it might take us five minutes. It could take us a couple of hours. <laughs> I look at it and think, hey, that's five minutes, but then you know how it works. All right, Ephesians chapter 1. And this is what I pray over you a couple of times a week at least. All right? As a church. I pray this over you. Verse 17. Paul says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Think about that. God is giving you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So you therefore have the knowledge of God in wisdom and revelation. And that doesn't mean that you know everything that God knows, but it means that you know Him. And when you know God, nothing else matters. Yeah? You are wise enough and knowledgeable enough to know God. There are a whole lot of people out there who aren't that wise and aren't that knowledgeable. Let's go on. Verse 18. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Now, see, we go through life and we're conditioned to think that we don't know enough. And we're conditioned to think that we don't know the right things, that there's someone out there that's an expert. You know what an expert is? X is a has-been and a spurt is a drip under pressure. So it's a former drip. 
Who's lost their pressure? If you go to some universities, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. I've heard some guys are supposed to be experts, and the stuff that comes out of their mouth isn't worth putting in the bin. But it says that the eyes of your understanding are enlightened. And he's not talking about your physical eyes. He's talking about your spiritual eyes. He's talking, this passage is talking about your wisdom and your understanding and your knowledge of God and of life. And he says that you develop understanding, you get enlightened that you may know the hope of his calling. In other words, you know his purpose for your life. How often do you sit there and go, I don't know what to do? Well, Jesus said in John that all wisdom and revelation and understanding has been given to you. And it says here that he's given the eyes of your understanding enlightenment. What's enlightenment? That's when the bulb goes on. If you have a situation and you don't know what to do and it looks hopeless and there's no way through, what you need is enlightenment. You just need that light bulb to go on. And God's already given it to you. It comes out of that relationship with him. When you hang out with God, you start to think like God. And when you start to think like God, it says a bit further on that he'll do anything. He can do more than what you can ask, think, or imagine. That's only two chapters away. We'll get there, maybe. And he gives you that understanding. It doesn't matter what your situation is. He gives you the understanding. If you ask, it gets better. That you may know the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. You are a saint, right? You don't have to be Catholic. You don't have to have done three miracles. You don't have to be dead to be a saint, right? It says that we are saints, that we are priests. But I like this bit, verse 19. Thinking about that, remember that? Your inheritance in the saints. The riches of his glory. The glory means the weight, the heavy presence of God. All right? And what his exceeding greatness, verse 19, of his power towards us. Paul is praying. This is Paul's prayer. He says, I pray that you understand who you are in God. That you understand his purpose for your life. That you understand who God is and that you know the exceeding greatness of his power towards you, according to the working of his mighty power. So it's not just power is out there and you know that God's powerful, but you will know the power of God in your life. Make sense? Paul's praying, they know his power. Which power? Verse 20, which worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Now what sort of power does it take to bring somebody back to life who's been flogged 39 times, who's had a crown of thorns smacked into their head, who's been beaten and broken and then crucified to a cross? Adding a spear in the side and a few other things to go with that. What sort of power does it take to raise somebody from the dead? Resurrection power. It takes a little more than a 240 volt in the thing. That may kill you, but it takes even more to get you back your life. I mean, he's going to go through and heal everything that went wrong in the first place. And then he's got to restore life. And that's what happened to Jesus. And he wasn't just alive. He came back in power. He came back and glorified the Father. He was completely healed and whole so much so he could walk through walls. 
and then eat fish straight afterwards to prove that it wasn't a ghost. And Paul is saying, this power, this mighty resurrection power is available to you. And you'll even know how to use it because you're enlightened and you know your purpose in life and you know what God has for you to do. Oh, seriously. I mean, is, is it, I feel like it's sitting up here and it needs to just drop a few inches, guys. Maybe it's the coffee. It's not good enough stimulus in it. But we're talking about the power of God available to you every single day. That when you get up in the morning and you walk out and make your breakfast, you have resurrection power inside you. That you have the power to lay hands on the sick and they recover. You have the power to raise people from the dead. There was this article in the, in the, in the, you know, one of the news sites this week of this guy who was dead for 47 minutes. And his son, I mean, it was this really, I think the writer didn't know what to put down. Because this guy's teenage son walked into his dad's thing where they were getting him ready for the viewing for the family. He walked in and he said, I'm not going to have you dead. You get back to life. Two minutes later, his dad sat up. That happened three days ago. They said he'd had a heart attack, whatever it was, something wrong with his heart. He was gone. He'd been dead for 47 minutes and I'm reading this article and you can tell the guy writing the article is going, the doctor comes out and he says, I have never seen anything like this. He'd signed the death certificate. It was all over. He'd done all the paperwork and the doctor's going, we don't know what to do because this has never happened before to us. And you sort of get the feeling the guy who's writing the article is going, I don't know how to explain this. All he put was, Faith raises dad from the dead. It's in the middle of Ohio or something like that. They'd done every test on this guy. He was dead. That's the resurrection power you have in you. I mean, we look at Dan and we go, gee, it's fantastic. He's up. And you need to understand this guy was on full life support Saturday of last week. He's going home tomorrow. He's taking his Zimmer frame. <laughs> and we can all stare about it because that's just so, you know. I think we should all go and put, put trendy stickers on the side of it and stuff. You know? <laughs> but you watch, he won't have that for long. He'll be back walking. That's resurrection power at work. See, that happens when we pray. We've got to get out of this thinking that we're powerless, weak, I don't know what to do, what's happening with my life mentality. And get into God has a plan and purpose for it and I'm going to hang out with him until he tells me what it is and then I'm going to go and fulfill it in power. And this isn't even my sermon, it's over the other page. Oh, look, there's too many things there. We have to go over the page. But we'll never get over there. All right. I was going to leave this for you, but not in your life. Ephesians chapter 3. It's tomorrow's chapter that you'll read when you get home. 
let me give you the insight so when you get home, you know, and you sit up tomorrow morning, you start reading Ephesians chapter 3 as you work your way through the Bible, you're going to get excited because when you read this tomorrow, you go, I know what it says already. All right, you're going to have the best prayer time of your life and the longest quiet time you've had all week. Ephesians 3.14, Paul says, For this reason I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven on earth is named. You are named after Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what your name is, you're named after Jesus Christ. And Christ is not his surname. It's not like Mr. Christ. But even if it was, it would be your surname. Because Christ means anointed one and he's anointed. And guess what? You are anointed. You are the anointed one and the anointed. You're not Jesus. Don't get your head too big. But you have Jesus within you. And he has given you his anointing. He says, take it on because it breaks the yoke. It breaks off the barriers. It says, you know, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Get it out. Because so much to say, it's a little time to say it. And he says that the anointing breaks the yoke. So that, you know, when you're over here and you're going, you're going oh, I've got all this stuff and, and I'm carrying it. And, you know, I don't know who I am in God. I don't know his plan for my life. And you start to worry and stress and you feel like it's pushing you down like this. That's the yoke of the world. That's not from Jesus. He says, my burden's easy. My yoke is light. You know why? Because he carries it with you. And it's a bit like if I'm standing up here and then Stuart was standing next to me, all right, and we had this big bar, I'd lean up more Stuart's way. <laughs> why? Two reasons. One, because I could probably get away with it. But two, because he's bigger than I am. He's stronger than I am. He lifts bigger weights. All right? And if we were carrying this, Stuart would probably take most of the load. And my burden would be light. I could probably just pretend I'm carrying it. It's a bit like when my kids come, you know, and, and you've got one of these tables down the back here and you, you sort of carry it put away. And, and Isaac, you know, my four-year-old comes out and says, you know, can I help you carry that, Daddy? And you know that him helping you actually means it's going to be heavier. But you go, yeah, sure, because you want to teach your kids to help out. And so he picks it up, and it's not heavy for him. It's not a burden for him. It's light, and he stands there with one hand. <laughs> While you carry him and the table, essentially. <laughs> but that's how it is with Jesus. You know, we're sort of going, Jesus, can we help you? And he says, sure, come on in. And it's like we've got our finger on it thinking we're doing something. <laughs> but it's him carrying the weight because we're part of his family. We're his children. And that's how he teaches us. That's how he shows us how to get things done. And we get stronger and we can take more weight. But you know what? It's never going to compare to what he's... It's only ever going to be our little finger on it, no matter how much weight you can take. Because it's not in our power. It's not in our strength. All we have to do is abide in him. Hang out with him. John 15. Abide in him. He says, you abide in me. I'll abide in you and you'll bear fruit. How do you bear fruit? It just sort of pops out. There's a cool little book about that for the kids. You should, see, Dale, she'll prove it to you sometime. You know? It's got this little vibe branch thing. He's going, <laughs> trying to pop out some fruit. He's, and he can't pop out the fruit. That's what we're like, aren't we? We try and make stuff happen. And all we do is look like we're constipated. And you worry so much, you get constipated. 
We talk real in church, don't we? How's your coffee? <laughs> nice brown liquid. <laughs> Enjoy your chocolate. <laughs> but that's, that's seriously it, isn't it? You know, we try and make things happen. And Jesus says, you've got it wrong. You don't have to make things happen. You have to abide in me and just do what I tell you to do. Just be who I made you to be. Who did he made you to be? He made your family. He made you one of his kids. It's not like your earthly family, no matter how good, bad, or ugly that is. It's your heavenly family. And God says it doesn't matter if you had the best father in the world. I mean, my kids have got a pretty good father. Just ask their dad. But no matter how awesome their father is, no matter how good your dad is, God says it doesn't matter how good they are, it still looks like evil to how good God is. You could have the most generous, loving Disney father that ever existed and it would, he would still look evil before God because of how good God is and how much he loves you. That's the family you're in. Yeah? Good stuff, isn't it? All right. So from the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. What's glory mean? His weight, his presence. It's not just the presence of God, it's a weighty, I can feel you God presence. All right? The riches of his glory to be strengthened with might in his spirit in the inner man or woman. He wants to strengthen you. He says you're in the family of God, so hang out with your father. When you hang out with him, you get into his presence, you get the riches of his glory, you'll be strengthened with might in the inner man. When you hang out with God, you get strong. When you don't hang out with God, you get weak. And we know this, but we still keep stuffing it up, don't we? We still think, oh, I've got to go to work, or I really want to watch that show, or I really want to read that book, or I really just want to go and see that person, or, you know, oh, gee, what's happening on Facebook, you know? And they're all good things, except that it means we're not hanging out with God. When those things come before God, we get weak. And we fall into sin. You want to overcome sin? Hang out with God. The more you hang out with God, the less room there is for anything else. And the more you get God's perspective, and the stronger you come. And when you're strong on the inside, you're strong on the outside. Isn't that what Kellogg says? The Kellogg's, Uncle Toby's, making you healthy on the inside? Because when you're healthy on the inside, you're healthy on the outside. Oh, whoever it is. No, all, all, brand, all brand's the chocolate. No, no. All brand gets things lumpy. Um. But it's true, you know. I mean, I am strong on the inside. I have a six-pack. I'm protecting it at the moment. It's got a protective layer around it. I'm looking after it. I don't want to damage it. But I'm told by my daughter, the exercise physiologist, that I have a six-pack. Somewhere under there. My inner man is strong. And you know what? When I hang out with God, my inner man is strong. I've got a spiritual six-pack. I have the power of God in me. And it's not because of me. It's because of God within me. That the more I hang out with God, the more of God gets into my life, the more he deals with stuff in my life, the more he offends me in certain areas, so I deal with that offense the more he reveals stuff I need to do with and I get stronger and there's less of me and there's more of him. 
and I discover his plans and his purposes for me. I discover the power of God working through me and suddenly things start happening. So I can rock up to the health hospital and we can pray for someone like Dan. And you know, 24 hours later, he's awake and talking and wanting kebabs. And it's nothing to do with me. I just have to do what he tells me to do. It's God shining through us. I mean, I walked out of praying with Dan and Dale goes, oh, that was really good. I said, I've done absolutely nothing. I could have been talking to him about his kebab. For all that I felt and, you know, there was no presence of God in the place. The angels weren't standing around single. They were, but I couldn't see them. We just prayed. Hung out for a few minutes and then the doctor wanted to do his bit, so we left. The doctor took all the credit, by the way, so I say that. He's going, yeah, well, I had him, yeah. So of course he's getting better. We won't talk about Herod and all that, no. He was a good doctor. All right, moving on. Oh, oh, oh. Verse 17, how we go for time? No one cares, good. Is it really? But I've got six verses to go. That's an hour. All right, I'll go fast, I'll go fast. That Christ may dwell in your hearts, verse 17, through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints. Who are the saints? Hallelujah. What is the width and the length and the depth and the height? To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. When God turns up, it doesn't matter what you know. It just matters who you know. The only thing you need to know when it comes to life is that God loves you more than you can comprehend. Higher than you can ever think of heights. Deeper than you can ever believe. And wider than you can ever comprehend. Is how much God loves you. But He doesn't just love you in this wussy little, love you. <laughs> he loves you with the resurrection power of heaven. He loves you to send Jesus to die and come back to life. But it doesn't end there because he says, hey, look, I gave Jesus. You know, I mean, what Jesus did was a type for us. Because when we became Christians, we died to self, right? We went, it's no longer me that lives, but Jesus that lives in me. And that was a verse before it was a song. All right? And so the whole idea is that we die. But then we have resurrection power given to us when we give our lives over to God. You've already got it. You need to get this in your head. You have already got resurrection power flowing in your veins. The problem is not getting it into you. The problem is getting it back out of you. Yeah? I don't think it's getting in. So let's go. Let's skip a couple. Verse 19 says, you may be filled with all the fullness of God. All right? Think about that. How big is God? All right? God? God's hand. He measures the universe by the span of his hand. That makes God big, right? Yeah, if, I, if, I had, um, if I had a basketball here, I think I told you this before, but if I had a basketball here, and that represented the sun, right? and then I had a ping pong, it's about, about equivalency to measure Earth, right? If I had the sun here, and we were doing like a scale model, how far away do you think that ping pong ball has to be for it to be a correct scale of how far the sun is away from the earth? 
Sorry? Yeah, somewhere near Bunbury. That's just our little between us and the sun. God measures the universe. That's not even our, you know, that's just like part of our galaxy. That's the smallest part. We've got a small solar system. And he measures with the span of his hand. And you know what he says? The fullness of God. I'll take the span of his hand. But the fullness of God is given to you. That's some big power, man. That's one big God. And he's going, here, have some. Take some of this power. I mean, resurrecting from the dead was like, eh. You know what I mean? And that power's inside you. So when you're facing that issue, that thing that's in your head right now, does it look small now? Or is it just maybe getting smaller? Getting smaller? Let me go through that again. He measures the universe with the span of his hand. That means that, like, even his fingernail is still bigger than our solar system. <laughs> In fact, the width of his fingernail is still bigger than our solar system. Think about that. That's the God who says, I can take care of your problem. Does your problem seem stupid now? I mean, it, it does. I mean, because they're going, yeah, but I don't know what to do. But you do know what to do. You actually know what to do. You just need to listen and trust your God. You know. You know in your spirit. You know, people say, oh, I should put a fleece out. Don't put a fleece out. Or you're going to get yourself fleeced. Fleeces are Old Testament things. All right? Gideon put a fleece out, but he knew what to do. Didn't he? What did God say to him? Go and do this. And he went, oh, that's really big. Maybe you know, I need to put a fleece out. God, don't be angry with me. I'm putting a fleece out to make sure that you know, this is right because I need something to hold on to. You know what to do. You know in your spirit the right thing to do. And if you don't know, then go and sit down with God and hang out with him for a couple of days and you will know. I promise you. He wants you to know. He actually wants you to do well in life. It doesn't mean you're not going to have hard situations come your way, the further on you go and you walk with God, the more difficult the situations. But it doesn't matter because you don't have to carry the load. He does. You just got a finger on the table, remember? It doesn't matter how big the table is, he still measures the universe with the span of his hand. He's a big God. He's so big, it says in the next verse. Now to him, being God, who is able to do exceedingly. So what's exceedingly mean? It means you have this and then exceedingly. All right? He's able to do exceedingly abundantly. There's two words you don't see often together, right? You know, if I said to you, you know, I came in a tarja here, and I said, there's water. Is that exceeding abundance? Now, if I take the bottle of water, <laughs> if I pour the bottle over the top of her, is that exceeding abundance? Not really. But compared to the drop, it is, isn't it? That's how God is. Next time. But God's up there, and you know what he does? He has rain. Think about it. Is that exceedingly abundantly compared to a drop? He says, I can do exceedingly abundantly, like the rain, above all 
that you can ask or think. You know what I find? is people think something, but then they ask something. You know, they think millions, and they ask tens. Yeah? Yeah, I'd really like, you know, this, uh, but I'll ask for this. Because, you know, I don't want to look greedy. I don't want to look selfish. I don't want to look like, you know, I'm just for me. And, you know, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> God says, I can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think. And think back, we talked about him being our father. He is more generous than any father could ever be. You can't out-ask him. You can't even out-think him. According to the power, what? That works where? In God? No. Power that works in us. And why would he say in us? Isn't it the power in God? God doesn't need the power. He's already got it. Power has to work in us. God wants to work his power through you. He wants to do amazing stuff through you. He wants to take you to the point where, you know, people say, oh, I don't want to be rich because it will ruin me. Well, then grow in God so it doesn't ruin you. You need to be rich so that you can take care of people that need looking after. You need to be healthy so you've got the energy to do what God's asking you to do. I'm sorry, but there are hundreds and thousands, of, there are millions of people out there that don't know Jesus. And it takes healthy, wealthy, prosperous people to do it. I mean, how do you think Paul travelled the world? He didn't just walk out and go, oh, there's a boat, do you think I can stow away? Or maybe I'll jump with the lifeboats. And... The guy travelled the world three times. Who paid the fares? You know, there were times he went, look, I've got nothing. Why? Because he just paid another fare. But God blessed him and provided for him. He had to have the cash. But he didn't even travel alone. He took people with him. It costs money to get the gospel out there. So we need to be prosperous. We need to be walking in his abundance. It takes power to convince people that God is real. Because some people go, I just don't believe it. I don't believe it until they see God do something miraculous in their life, and then you know what happens? They believe it. It takes you being healthy. I'm sorry, I've never seen you. I mean, people say, oh, you know, I was sick and God used it. to." Re That's great, he does use it. But do you know how many people you can heal, you can make a difference if, if you're well, greater than you can make a difference if you're sick? Because when you're sick, you know what I find out? When you're sick, you tend to think about yourself, don't you? You know, this week um, we had a, I'll finish with this, we had a fun day at work. Um, and so we're playing laser tag in our garage at the back, because that's what we do, you know. And I got to the end of the day, because I was the organiser for this thing, and I got to the end of the day, and I had in my, a step counter on my phone in my pocket. I got to the end of the day, and I'd taken over 30,000 steps for the day. Every person does about five to 7,000 steps a day, all right? And about 10,000 of those would have been up and down these stairs in this place, as well as playing you know, laser tag and a few other things. And my legs still are sore through here. I discovered where I'm fit and where I'm not. <laughs> Squatting is, is from hell, I'm sorry. <laughs> Squats were invented by the devil. Amen. I'm not even going to argue on that. They're from the devil, all right? And I was in pain, and I would get up the next day, and I'm walking to walk, and actually going up the steps was fine. It's actually going downstairs. That was just, I felt like real, I'm carrying, I've got this, you know, good deal of food. I had these platters and the guy came to pick up the platters and I was taking them downstairs. And I felt like a real wuss. And I was stepping, oh, oh. And then I didn't feel so bad when my 18-year-old PA came up the stairs going, oh, oh. Cool. 
I feel like an 18 year old. <laughs> but you know what? When I'm in agony, I wasn't thinking about anyone else. I was thinking about me. I was thinking about how I can avoid doing things like going back down to accounts because I've got a bill in front of the pay and, you know, it's a long way to walk down there. All 35 steps. And I was thinking about ways I could shortcut and get other people to do things for me. Because it was painful to get up and sit down. And when I sat down, I didn't want to get up again. And when I was standing up, I didn't want to sit down again. But then I didn't want to move. And that's what it is when you're sick, when you're not well, when you're in pain. You don't think of anyone else, do you? That's the lie of the devil that says, oh, sickness is from God. It's not. We're here to fight sickness. It's the enemy stuff. All right? God wants you to do abundantly more than what you're doing now. And you can't outthink him. And you can't outwork him. And you can't outdo him. Because he wants to outdo you. He wants to do you out. Because he wants to work through you to change people's lives. It all comes back to one simple thing. And that's hanging out with him. The best thing you can do when you go to bed tonight is to open up your Bible and read it. Think about what that means for your life. And when you get up in the morning, the best thing you can do to make your day the most awesome it's going to be is to pick up your Bible and hang out with God. I mean, David wasn't lying when he said, morning and night, meditate in the Word of God, you become like a tree planted by rivers of water. You prosper at whatever you do. Why? Because you get into God's way of thinking and the impossible suddenly becomes the possible. And not just the possible, it becomes the reality. It's time to be awesome, people. It's time to reach to the heights of God. Let's at least reach his fingernail. It's time to change the world. But it starts by changing your life and taking your stuff and dropping it at the feet of the cross and saying, God, I can't handle this. It's yours. I'm just going to hang out with you until I know what to do. And God will supply all your needs. God will show you the way through and change your world. Let's pray. God, I thank you that your word is just so powerful. We thank you that you are the almighty God. Lord, I pray for every person here that they will know the fullness of your love. Lord, the length, the depth, the height, the width of your love. That they will know your resurrection power in their lives in Jesus' name. That, Lord, we won't walk out of here being the same as what we are, but we'll walk out of here hungrier for you, wanting more of you. Lord, as we sit down tonight and read your word, as we get up in the morning and read your word, Lord, even if it's just for a couple of minutes, that more of your life and your power will be inside us, that you will be glorified through our lives. Lord, not just in the church, but in the community and in this world. Because it's all about you. We want to reflect your glory. We want your power flowing through us that Jesus has lifted high. Lord, we bless you and we honour you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.